That was awesome. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, kids. We love everything about having kids part of these services. So if you're a parent here and you've got little ones with you, I want to make sure you saw that we've got the little uh, coloring books in the back. If you didn't grab one on the way in, feel free to grab one on the back tables there back out in the lobby. That'll be great. And just don't feel bad at all about uh, anything that comes along with having the littlest ones with us. We love, 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 love to have them, have them around. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Tim, one of the pastors here. Great to be together on this Christmas Eve. Uh, love this tradition of ours. I don't know if you caught the words to that song that we just sang a few minutes ago before Paul prayed, a uh, song that our kids sang to us last Sunday and that we just sang again. Um, but somehow over the course of that song, we go from verse 1 singing that the little baby lays down his sweet head to in verse 3, that same little baby becomes the one we worship for all of our days. How can that be? Baby, object of worship, needs his diaper changed, rules the world. What uniqueness could ever qualify a helpless baby to receive highest praises? How can a religion survive that teaches something so outlandish? Welcome again to Christmas Eve at North Sub. Let me just acknowledge the reality that folks come on Christmas Eve in a variety of places regarding faith. So wherever you're coming from this evening, we're so glad you're here. Whether you believe in Jesus and have for years, whether you're skeptical about Jesus, or whether you just don't know what to think about all this religion stuff, you're just looking for something to grab onto. You've come to the right place. And I've been particularly thinking these past weeks about the person who might come be with us on Christmas Eve. Not sure of how, how anyone could really know that they know God. Like, if a God exists, he seems so elusive. Life is harsh. This broken world is cruel, isn't it? So how can anyone know for sure that there is a God? And if there is one, how do I know if God is like my parents said God is like? Or if God is like the monks in Tibet say he's like? Or if God is like my college roommate told me one night? If there's a God, how could he ever be known? If there's one thing I want you to hear this evening, uh, it's just this very simple thought. The God you've wondered about can be known. The God you've wondered about can be known. As chaos swirls around you in life, as life's beating you up and you're just trying to grab onto something to hold on to that could help you make sense of it all, that's God that you're yearning for and he can be known. And he can be known, through of all things, a person. Look how one of Jesus' friends, a guy named John, says it. Jess read this part of this for us earlier in the service. John, one of Jesus' friends, says the word, that's God's self-expression, the word became flesh 
That means that God's self-disclosure somehow put skin on. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And a few verses later, he says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son, who is himself God and is at the father's side. He has revealed him. These right here are the opening arguments, you could say, of John's testimony regarding Jesus. And he starts out here like Jesus can only do all the things that I'm about to tell you he did. And Jesus could only say all the things that I'm about to tell you he said because he's God. And he's at God's side. He is God, and as God's son at the Father's side, Jesus makes the invisible God visible to us. And y'all, if that's true, this is great news, that the God that we're searching for can be known. But how does, how does a son make known his father? How does a son make his father known? Let's, let's take a poll real quick. Those of you who have a job, how many here are doing roughly the same job that your mother or father did at your same age hands up no can't be zero yeah uh, ish a couple right okay kids who don't yet have a job how many of you hope to one day have the same job that your mom or dad has and do the same thing they're doing again not many right one or two that's kind of what we expected Right, So that's kind of the way it is in this world that we live in today. But for most people around the world today, most cultures, and most people in human history, it was almost a given that every hand in the room would have gone up when I asked that question. Right, That girls would do what their moms did and boys would do what their dads did. In other words, identity was so wrapped up in family life that the daughter is a representation of the mother. And the son follows in the footsteps of the father. In other words, what I'm trying to get at is, you're your father's son, not first and foremost because you have his DNA. That's not how most people in human history have thought. Rather, but because you perform the function that your father performed. You perform the function your father performed. In other words, when we say Jesus, the son of God, that's not best understood as a genetic claim, as though God had DNA. Instead, as one author put it, it's like we're saying, what you see with Jesus is what you get with God. What you see with Jesus is what you get with God. And that's why Jesus' sonship is tied so closely to the function of making God known in verse 18 that we just read. That's what sons were thought to do in, ancient, in the ancient world. They reveal their fathers by performing the function of their fathers. Now, some sons perform the function of their fathers better than others, right? And we see this in family businesses all the time, right? Maybe you guys have had a similar experience to this, but I had a mechanic that I loved. You know, you have a, a great mechanic, right? This is a major blessing. So years 2013 to 2018, about five years here locally, had a just great mechanic, always fair, uh, never pushed me to do more than needed to be done, but uh, was honest with me, got it done right, and reasonable prices. I was just so happy with my mechanic. It was a family-owned business, and the time came that father 
decided he was going to hand the business over to the son. And pretty quickly, in my first couple visits with the son in charge, it became clear that son is not going to be like the father, right? It was just a different thing all around. He's short, borderline rude. He's, uh, you know, charging. The prices go up immediately, right? He's pushing me to get stuff done that I know doesn't really need to be done right now. And I was so sad, right, that, uh, that what I see with the son is not what I used to get with the father. As it turns out, God actually had a son like that. Israel, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so special to God, so dear to him, his special people. When God made a plan to fix all that's broken in the world, he said, I'm going to do it through this family whom I love. Look at the affection with which he speaks about this family of Israel. He says, this is what the Lord says, Exodus 4, Israel is my firstborn son. And then Hosea 11, when Israel was a child, this is God speaking, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, we see God calling the family of Israel his son. So if Israel is God's son, what we expect is that what we see with Israel is what we get with God. Is that the case? No, and that's what Moses laments as he sings this song to Israel in Deuteronomy 32. His people have acted corruptly toward him. This is their defect. They are not his children, Moses said. They're called to be, but they're not acting as it. Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and sensible people? Isn't he your father and creator? Words of Moses. So if God's plan was that the world would know him by looking at his son Israel, but Israel hasn't fulfilled the role of a son how do we have any hope of knowing God? Enter Jesus on that first Christmas. The baby laid in the manger. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side, he has revealed him. By saying that Jesus is the one and only son, despite the fact that John knows that he's part of Israel, whom, who's called God's son. John's telling us that Jesus, who is himself part of that family of Israel, is the embodiment of that original calling to sonship. He's the fulfillment of Israel. He's the new Israel. Jesus is what Israel was always meant to be, but couldn't be despite their best efforts. He's the one and only son. And that's what we celebrate each year at Christmas. Not just the commemoration of the birth of history, one of history's great religious leaders. No, the reason that we go all out at Christmas time for this celebration is because the one born on Christmas is the long-awaited hope for Israel. The one who fulfilled the vocation his family had been called to fulfill but never could. And, and he's the long-awaited hope for all the rest of us who aren't part of ethnic Israel as well, right? That even if we aren't ethnically part of God's special people, any of us who believe in him can be born again, so to speak, this time born into a family by faith and thereby find ourselves reunited with God for eternity. Here's how John puts an exclamation point on this, using that same language of Jesus as one and only son. Two chapters later in John chapter 3, he says, For God loved the world in this way, he gave 
his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then we're thinking, so the son reflects the father. So what's the father like? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Did you catch that there? That Jesus, the one and only Son, makes it plain to us what we wouldn't have otherwise known, namely that God, the God who exists, he's not a God eager to condemn. Rather, he's a God eager to rescue In light of Jesus' coming, we see that God never intended to limit his rescue plan to just one family. Rather, he was always just starting with that family to save the whole world. And so Jesus' unique sonship changes the big question. For years, the biggest question was, well, are you part of the ethnic group God has claimed as his son? Now the biggest question is, have you been joined by faith to God's one and only uniquely loved son? Because if we are joined to Jesus by faith, then no matter who we are, we get eternal life with him. No condemnation. Rescue. Friend, the God you've wondered about, he can be known. If you came here this evening feeling like, man, there's something missing in my life. And you're wondering maybe if there could possibly be a God out there who could be known after all, here he is. First laid in the manger, then at the cross. His name is Jesus. He is himself God, and simultaneously, as the Son of God, at God's right hand, he makes the unknowable God known to us. That's how the helpless baby in the feeding trough can be worthy of highest praises. Because God has enabled himself to be seen this Christmas. If only we'll look to his one and only son, Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you for making yourself known. You could have remained distant from us. Could have remained on a lofty perch and left us to our own devices. Left us to wallow in our own guilt and misery. Left us in our own brokenness. But instead, you stepped into it. You took on flesh, and you made yourself known to us in your one and only Son, who was himself God, is himself God, and as your one and only Son at your side made you known. Help us this Christmas, in the midst of all the possible distractions, to look to your Son, and there in your Son to find you. In Jesus' name, amen.